Welcome to another Sunday morning sermon from Marysville Christian Church. We're glad you're here joining us on this journey to learn more, love more, and look more like Jesus. We invite you to grab a cup of coffee and a Bible as we dive into God's Word. Every now and then, lions need to roar. That's why I'm convinced it's time for faith to step up. Believers in God who follow Jesus need to build our faith on his word. And then we need to show our faith by how we live. We need to let our trust in God be seen in, <laughs> be, be seen in our prayer more than our worry. We need to let our faith and trust in God be seen in our attitudes or lack thereof. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes from hearing the word of God, but in 2 Corinthians 5:17 it says we walk by faith not by sight. You see that's the trouble. We're called on to step up in faith when we don't know how it's going to turn out. James confronts people with this challenge that there in fact comes a time for us when we need to step up in faith. He would say it this way in chapter 1, verse 22. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Or the easy-to-read version actually phrases it in much simpler terms. Do what God's teaching says. Don't just listen and do nothing. When you only sit and listen, you're just fooling yourselves. Now, the way that translates into parenting is a story that I've told before about our son, who got to a certain point when he decided that he really didn't need to listen to Dad anymore, and Dad happened to disagree with that. And so there would be occasions when the opportunity would arise for me to remind him of what he was supposed to be doing. And, of course, that was met like any other adolescent son responds to his dad with an eye roll and a heavy sigh. I know, Dad. Which is usually the trump card, right? I mean, that's usually the ace that a kid can play. But then, for those of you Euchre players there was a right bar <laughs> that this dad learned to play by simply responding, then do what you know. Okay, that's the dad version of James 1.22, right? It's not enough just to know what to do. You've got to do what you know. Otherwise, you're just fooling yourselves. It was shortly after that that James asks a rhetorical question, and rhetorical questions mean that the answer is obvious in verse 14. What good is it to claim to have faith if there's no evidence to support it? Can that faith save you? Now, despite the fact that they have enough awareness of the people around them to notice when people were in need and offer some sympathetic words to them, what good is that, James would say, because words don't change anything. And so his conclusion in verse 17 was that faith, being by itself, 
if it does nothing, is dead. Or as some versions read, is as good as dead. Or as other versions read, is as useless as something that's dead. That's why two verses later in James 2 verse 19, he says, you believe that there's only one God, but even the demons believe that and tremble. Now, maybe, rather than just being sarcastic, like some dads are with their adolescent sons, maybe James is challenging the people that have grown up their whole life memorizing and repeating what was referred to as the Shema. Every morning, every night. The Shema in Israel was this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. From Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. And their teaching, their explanation that would follow that was simply this. To hear God is to obey God, and to obey God is to hear God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. And to those people who'd, grew up, who'd grown up saying that, he reminds them is, you believe there's only one God. So what? If you're not going to do anything about it. And that's why the time was now for the faith to step up. But it's hard to step up when you've been beaten down. And I think that's really descriptive of the people that James was writing to because these people were spiritually burned out because of life circumstances. In chapter 1, verse 1, he calls them the diaspora, which is another way of saying they were scattered like spores of mold. It was because of their faith that they'd been attacked, persecuted, and had to run for their lives. Carrying with them whatever they could carry, and that wasn't much when you consider it was a whole life. Life had gotten hard for them. No wonder, just like us, when life gets hard, Faith gets rare. Or when life gets hard, faith grows quiet. No doubt they began to question, why bother living life God's way? What good has that done me? I've done everything I thought I was supposed to do. I've lived the way that God told me to live. Big deal. I've lost everything. How's that working out for me? And if it's not working out for me, then why bother trying? But I'm sure those are prayers that we've all kept inside our head and not said out loud. And in all likelihood, it was the same kind of rationale that they may have wondered as well. Their lives indicate that they'd simply settled for talking about God instead of actually living like they trusted God's wisdom. I mean, after all, we've lost everything. What good has that done? What wisdom is there in God's 
advice if the result is I lose everything. And he makes this final appeal for them to step up their faith by living what they believe in chapter 2, verse 26, when he says this, just as anyone who doesn't breathe is dead, anyone whose faith doesn't actually do anything is just as dead. You see, he calls to their memory two examples of people in their heritage that learned that the time was now for them to step up in faith. The first one, every good Jew would know it was Abraham, Father Abraham of all, uh, of all things, right? He proved that his faith was real by what he did, he, James says in, in verse 22. Everybody knew Abraham. And it must have been referring, oddly enough, not to the best days of Abraham's life, but the worst three days of Abraham's life. When God asked him to sacrifice his only son Isaac, he proved his faith was real by what he did. And I would add in parentheses, he proved his faith was real by what he did on the worst three days of his life. There's the difference. The second reference he makes was not to Father Abraham, that every, the one that everyone admired and honored. Instead, the second reference James makes was to Rahab. In verse 25 of chapter 2, he reminds them that she received God's approval because of what she did. And then he would go on to refer to how she chose to protect Israel's spies when they were about to enter into the promised land and cross over the Jordan at a place called Jericho. What an incredible study of contrast especially when it comes to who has God's approval and whose faith is real. On the one hand, you've got Abraham, the father of the Jews, and on the other hand, you've got Rahab, who's a Gentile, a non-Jew, an outsider, and oh, by the way, she happened to be a prostitute. Abraham, Rahab. I'm thinking the scales don't really balance out on that one, right? And yet James makes the case that the person who has God's approval is the one whose faith steps up when the time is now. I can't believe it's been this long. I can't believe I still remember it. But it was 41 years ago, on January 13th of 1982, When the news stories were taken over about an airplane crash in Washington, D.C., Air Florida Flight 90 had crashed into the Potomac River. Here's an image of it. They tried to take off during a blizzard. And things didn't go well. Hope you're not flying out this afternoon. Sorry if you are, didn't mean to freak you out. <laughs> they were running behind, so they waved off the last spray down of anti-icing. Ice and snow began to build up on the wings, and as it did, 
then that created additional weight, which has effect, affected the airflow and the aerodynamics of it. And so when they tried to take off, they lifted off, but not high enough. And it clipped the 14th Street Bridge. It went down in the Potomac River. Four people who were on the bridge, just in their cars, driving along, died when they got hit by an airplane. Seventy-four passengers and crew died, either from impact or else they drowned. As you might expect, the plane broke apart and broke through the ice and was mostly submerged in the water by the time a helicopter came to rescue them. They dropped a rope with a life preserver on it for people to grab onto and to be pulled to safety. Some of them, they pulled up into the helicopter. The others, they, they drug through the water and, and got them to more solid ice or solid ground. And then they went back for the last one. Finally, there was one last woman. The guy before her had tried to grab hold of her and pull her with him. And she just kept slipping through his arms. He would later realize that that was because his arm was broken and his hands were both broken. They dropped the life preserver to her repeatedly. They tried to lift her up. They tried to drag her. But by this time, she'd been in the icy water 30 minutes. And she just didn't have the strength to hold on while being pulled out of the water to safety. It was obvious to everybody that had gathered on the bridge and on the shore that this woman was about to die before their very eyes. In panic and terror, she kept crying out for help and to save her. And finally, a 28-year-old office worker named Lenny Skutnik, there's a hero name if you ever heard one, He jumped into the water and pulled her to safety. Afterwards, talking to his mother, as I'm sure she had a few things to say to him, what were you thinking? And he told his mom this. That girl needed saving, and God looked around and said, eeny, meeny, miny, your mo." <laughs> so I jumped in. He would later be honored by President Reagan during a State of the Union speech for his valor and courage. You see, you never know when the time is now for your faith to step up. But I know this, you can always count on it. It will be when you're afraid of the unknown. That's the way it was for God's people in Rahab's story. They were intimidated by what was next. I mean, they'd been waiting for 40 years for God to honor his promise. They'd been waiting for 40 years for people who didn't have enough faith to follow God's lead to die off because that's what, had God, that's what God had promised. And now the time was right for Joshua to lead his people across the Jordan River and into the Promised Land, and the first stop was a place called Jericho, an impenetrable fortress wall backed by the strength of an army that had never been defeated. But it wasn't just 
a fear of the unknown for God's people. The same was true for Rahab and her people inside the fortified city. They'd heard rumors about this invisible God of Israel. And they didn't know what to do next. You see, that's what happens to us when we're faced with the unknown. It takes faith to overcome our fear. Ever hear of something called COVID? When the world was scaring us to death, and some people died. Our need for faith gets real when life runs out of guarantees. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, Joshua secretly sent out two spies from their camp at the Acacia Grove with orders to go and explore the land, especially the city of Jericho. So they went to Jericho and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab where they stayed. And I'm sure that story flew well with her wives when they got back to camp. But they're just trying to blend in, right? They're trying to... Yeah. The Bible never tells us the names of those two spies. Maybe it was Lenny Skutnik. I don't know. But the bottom line is this. Some of our biggest steps of faith are probably going to be taken without any recognition at all. Otherwise, it'd be ego, right? And pride. They stepped up in faith, risking their lives. Why would they do that? Why would they risk their life on foreign soil where they just could disappear? Nobody would ever know what happened to them. They did that for the same reason that many today still continue to do that, so that their loved ones might see the promise come true in their lifetime. The spotlight of what happens when faith steps up now turns to shine on a woman named Rahab. It was time for her faith to step up as well, even when others disagreed with her decision. In verses 2 and 3, it says, Someone told the king of Jericho, you can always count on a weasel. They show themselves that way. Some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. How do you know? Where'd you hear that? Well, I was, uh, well, did he really want to say how he knew or where he'd been? But the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who've come into your house, for they've come here to spy out the whole land. This wouldn't be the first time or the last time that something that seemed like the good thing to do, a right thing to do, a kind thing to do, would go bad. And I guarantee you, you'll experience that as well. When you make a decision that this is a right thing to do, it's a decent thing to do, and then it blows up in your face. Now remember, God calls us to walk by faith, which is what happens when you don't see how it's all going to turn out, right? The outcome's not always guaranteed. Verses 4 through 6, 
The woman who had hidden the two men said, They did come here, but I didn't know where they came from. And in the evening, when it was time to close the city gates, they left. I don't know where they went, but if you go quickly, maybe you can catch them. The woman had taken the men up to the roof and had hidden them there under some stalks of flax that she had spread out there. That's pretty quick thinking, right? I'm guessing, though, that this is not the first time this prostitute has had to think quick on her feet when somebody came banging on her door looking for a man. And she had to come up with a story that was believable. And it worked. The king's men headed out in hot pursuit. The city gates were locked shut. There was no way out of the city. They were trapped. (laughs) Who would have guessed that this woman, of all women, would be willing to take that kind of risk? But you see, that's the thing about stepping up in faith. You never know what God has been doing. How could they have known that God would choose to work through someone like her? Abraham? Sure. Isaac? Absolutely. Moses? No problem. Joshua? Eh, Jury's still out. But Rahab? Do you know Rahab? And you're going to say that God is going to work through her? You never know what God's been doing. Rahab shares with her why she would make that kind of make that 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 kind of thing up in joshua chapter 2 verse 9 she shares what she believes about god i know the lord has given you this land she says we're all afraid of you everyone in the land is living in terror And she would go on in the story to tell how her people have been watching God work in the Israelites' life for some time now. In verse 10, she said they'd heard how God had parted the Red Sea to deliver them and to defeat Pharaoh's army by drowning all of them when the waters came back over the top of them. And they knew that that was God's hand at work. Now, just to give you a quick timeline there, that was over 40 years earlier. So for the last 40 years, they've been, they've been hearing stories about an invisible God who had done amazing things to keep his people alive. They'd also heard how God had wiped out two other armies before coming to them. In their mind, there was only one logical conclusion Chapter 2, verse 11, we know that the Lord your God rules heaven and earth. And we've lost our courage and our will to fight. And that's the reason for Rahab's courage, because she has concluded that their God can do anything. And there's nothing she can do to stop that. And so it was time for her and her faith to step up and accept the idea that God rules heaven and earth. The spies needed to know that and be reassured by the comfort that comes from knowing that God rules over heaven and earth if they're going to step up in faith. 
Joshua needed to know that Jericho was convinced that God rules over heaven and earth if he's going to step up and lead his people in faith. And the people of Israel needed to know as well that God rules over heaven and earth just like he ruled over heaven and earth over Pharaoh in Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the desert after that when they thought they would starve or die of thirst or when, yeah, didn't matter when. If they're going to follow where God leads, they're going to need to remember that God rules over heaven and earth. So now Rahab wants to know, when the time comes, will God's people step up and honor faith? She begs them to return her good faith and swear that they'll protect her and her family when they invade. And they agree as long as she's willing to hang a scarlet rope from the window that she'd lowered them out of on the outside wall of the city. They told her, anyone who's with you in your place will be safe. And they returned to camp with a new faith in God because Rahab's faith has compelled her to step up. Their faith now compels them to step up. The report that they gave to Joshua was this. The Lord has definitely given the entire land into our power. In addition, all the people have melted in fear because of us. Here's a life lesson for us all. When it's time for faith to step up, you can't allow your past to define your future. Her faith is seen again by what she does later when the walls of Jericho fall flat, as it says in Joshua 6.20. She'd been told that if she hung a red rope outside her window, that anyone in her home, anyone in her home would be safe. I don't know about you, but I've kind of got this mental picture in my mind of the entire wall around Jericho falling flat, except for one section that just happens to have a red rope swinging in the breeze. Rahab did more than just talk about God. She trusted in a God who she was convinced ruled over heaven and on earth. She not only dropped this scarlet rope from the window, but made sure that her family was there to be safe with her. And consequently, she and her family were saved from destruction because their faith stepped up. Rahab would continue to live out that kind of faith with God's people because after that day when the city and the people were destroyed, she would make her home with the Jewish people. In time, she would take a Jewish husband and eventually would have kids and grandkids and great-grandkids, one of whom was named David, who would become king of Israel. And generations even after that, Matthew tells us that her descendant would be named Joseph, whose fiancé was Mary, who would give birth to a baby that they would name Jesus. God is willing to bring anyone into his family who's willing to trust in him to rule not just in heaven, but on earth where there are no guarantees and where we're asked to walk trusting in him. You see, there are those moments when our faith needs to step up. For Abraham, his faith stepped up and he held nothing back from God, even what he cherished more than anything else in this world, his only son, when God asked him to. 
But Rahab's faith stepped up and held nothing back from others when they were in need. Even though she was a foreigner, well, I guess technically they would be the foreigners. It was her hometown. But both of them, Abraham and Rahab, responded to the work that God had been doing in their heart. And when the time was right, they knew their faith had to step up. I start to get the idea that James probably refers to her the way he does because her example stands in direct contrast to the example earlier in verse 16. When faced with someone that was in need and faith could have stepped up to make a difference, they did nothing. Instead, they simply waved and said, well, hope all goes well for you. Be warmed and filled. What a contrast to Abraham and Rahab from two different ends of the spectrum, but both found their faith in God, calling them to do more than just think about God or believe in God. David, why don't you and the praise team join me up on stage. As another year begins, I'd ask you to reflect on this takeaway for today. Are you willing to do more than just listen to God's word? Are you willing for faith, your faith, to step up and do what it says? Are you willing for your faith to step up when you're afraid of the unknown? Are you willing for your faith to step up, even if others disagree with you and the choices that you've made because of your convictions about God? Are you willing for your faith to step up when the outcome isn't guaranteed or when you just aren't really sure that your past qualifies you to be used by God in the future? Are you willing for your faith to step up when you don't know how it's going to turn out? Are you willing for your faith to step up because you're convinced God rules over heaven and earth? Are you willing if God says, eeny, meeny, miny, your mo," to let your faith step up? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only God. To hear God is to obey God, and to obey God is to hear God. How will you respond to what you hear God telling you today? Jesus would say, he that believes and is baptized will be saved. He that believes not will be condemned. Just like Rahab heard, put a red rope out the window and everything will work out. Really? That's going to make a difference? And yet she believed and obeyed. Are you willing to believe what Jesus said? And to show that by being obedient to him. Not just in being baptized into Christ, being made one with him, but more than that, are you willing to model your lifestyle after the lifestyle and teachings of Jesus? For that's what it is to be a disciple, to learn from him. Your mo 
it's time to study. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Marysville Christian Church and connect with us, be sure to go to our website, marysvillechristian.org. If you are near the Marysville area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday morning. We have our Bible study classes at 9 a.m. and our regular worship service is at 10 a.m. Our address is 17,000 Waldo Road, Marysville, Ohio, 43040. Our phone number is 937-642-9838. Email is office at marysvillechristian.org.